The Mystical City of God, The Incarnation, Book 4, Chapter 4. The Venerable Sister Mary of Jesus of Agreda, describes how Saint Joseph asked for pardon from his spouse the Most Holy Mary, and how the Heavenly Lady consoled him with great prudence. 407. The husband of Mary, Saint Joseph, now better informed, waited until his Most Holy Spouse had finished her contemplation, and at the hour known to him he opened the door of the humble apartment which the Mother of the Heavenly King occupied. Immediately upon entering, the holy man threw himself on his knees with the deepest reverence and veneration saying, My mistress and spouse, true mother of the eternal word, here I am, your servant, prostrate at the feet of your clemency, for the sake of your God and Lord, whom you bear in your virginal womb, I beseech you to pardon my audacity. I am certain O lady, that none of my thoughts is hidden to your wisdom and to your heavenly insight. Great was my presumption in resolving to leave you and not less great was my rudeness in treating you until now as my inferior, instead of serving you as the mother of my Lord and God. But you also know that I have done all in ignorance, because I knew not the sacrament of the heavenly King and the greatness of your dignity, although I revered in you other gifts of the Most High. My mistress, do not reflect upon the ignorance of such a lowly creature, who now better instructed, consecrates his heart and his whole life to your service and attendance. I will not rise from my knees before being assured of your favor, nor until I have obtained your pardon your goodwill and your blessing. 408. The Most Holy Mary, hearing the humble words of Saint Joseph, experienced diverse feelings. For with tender joy in the Lord she saw how apt he was to be entrusted with the sacraments of the Lord, since he acknowledged and venerated them with such deep faith and humility. But she was somewhat troubled by his resolve of treating her henceforth with the respect and self-abasement alluded to in his words, for the humble lady feared by this innovation to lose the occasions of obeying and humiliating herself as a servant of her spouse. Like one who suddenly finds herself in danger of being deprived of some jewel or treasure highly valued, Most Holy Mary was saddened by the thought that Saint Joseph would no longer treat her as an inferior, and is subject to him in all things, having now recognized in her the Mother of the Lord. She raised her holy spouse from his knees and threw herself at his feet, although he tried to hinder it, and said, I myself, my master and spouse, should ask you to forgive me and you are the one who must pardon me the sorrows and the bitterness which I have caused you. And therefore I ask this forgiveness of you on my knees, and that you forget your anxieties, since the Most High has looked upon my desires and afflictions in divine pleasure. 409. It seemed good to the Heavenly Lady to console her spouse and therefore, not in order to excuse herself, she added. As much as I desired, I could not on my own account give you any information regarding the sacrament hidden within me by the power of the Almighty, since, as his slave, it was my duty to await the manifestation of his holy and perfect will. Not because I failed to esteem you as my Lord and spouse did I remain silent, for I was and always will be your faithful servant, eager to correspond to your holy wishes and affection. 
from my inmost heart and in the name of the Lord, whom I bear within me, I beseech you not to change the manner of your conversation and intercourse with me. The Lord has not made me his mother in order to be served and to command in this life, but in order to be the servant of all and your slave, obeying your will in all things. This is my duty my master, and outside of it I would lead a life without joy and full of sorrow. It is just that you afford me the opportunity of fulfilling it, since so it was ordained by the Most High. He has furnished me with your protection and devoted assistance, in order that I may live securely in the shade of your provident solicitude and with your aid rear the fruit of my womb, my God and with my Lord. With these words and others, the most sweet and persuasive Holy Mary consoled and quieted Saint Joseph, and he raised her from her knees in order to confer with her upon all that would be necessary for this purpose. Since on this occasion the Heavenly Lady was full of the Holy Ghost, and moreover bore within her, as his mother, the Divine Word, who proceeds from the Father and the Holy Ghost, Saint Joseph received special enlightenment, and the plenitude of divine graces. Altogether renewed in fervor of spirit he said, 410. Blessed are you lady among all women, fortunate and preferred before all nations and generations. May the creator of heaven and earth be extolled with eternal praise, since from his exalted kingly throne he has looked upon you and chosen you for his dwelling place and in you alone has fulfilled the ancient promises made to the patriarchs and prophets. Let all generations bless him, for in no one has he magnified his name as he has done in your humility, and me, the most insignificant of the living, he has in his divine condescension selected for your servant. In these words of praise and benediction St. Joseph was enlightened by the Holy Ghost, in the same manner as St. Elizabeth, when she responded to the salutation of our Queen and Mistress. The light and inspiration received by the Most Holy Spouse was wonderfully adapted to His dignity and office. The Heavenly Lady, upon hearing the words of the Holy Man, answered in the words of the Magnificat, as she had done on her visit to St. Elizabeth, and she added other canticles. She was all aflame in ecstasy and was raised from the earth in a globe of light, which surrounded her and transfigured her with the gifts of glory. 411. At this heavenly vision Saint Joseph was filled with admiration and unspeakable delight, for never had he seen his most blessed spouse in such eminence of glory and perfection. Now he beheld her with a full and clear understanding, since all the integrity and purity of the princess of heaven and mystery of her dignity manifested themselves to him. He saw and recognized in her virginal womb the humanity of the infant God and the union of the two natures of the Word. With profound humility and reverence he adored him and recognized him as his Redeemer, offering himself to his majesty. The Lord looked upon him in benevolence and kindness as upon no other man, for he accepted him as his foster father and conferred upon him that title. In accordance with this dignity, he gifted him with that plenitude of science and heavenly gifts which Christian piety can and must acknowledge. I do not dilate upon this vast excellence of St. Joseph made known to me, because I would extend this history beyond the prescribed bounds. 412. However, 
If it was a proof of the magnanimity of the glorious Saint Joseph and a clear evidence of his great sanctity, that he did not wear away and die of the grief sustained at the thought of the loss of his beloved spouse, it is yet more astonishing, that he was not overwhelmed by the unexpected joy of this revelation of the true mystery connected with his spouse. In the former he proved his high sanctity, but in the latter he showed himself worthy of gifts, as which, if the Lord had not expanded his heart, he could neither have been capable of receiving nor could he have lived to bear the joy of his spirit. In all things he was renewed and elevated, so as to be able to treat worthily her, who was the mother of God himself and his spouse, and to cooperate with her in the mystery of the Incarnation, and in taking care of the Word made man, as I shall relate farther on. In order that he might be still more apt and so much the more recognize his obligation to serve his heavenly spouse, it was also made known to him, that all the gifts and blessings came to him because of her, those before his espousal, because he had been selected for her husband, and those afterward, because he had won and merited this distinction. He also perceived with what prudence the great lady had acted toward him, not only in serving him with such inviolate obedience and profound humility, but also in consoling him in his affliction, soliciting for him the grace and assistance of the Holy Ghost, hiding her feelings with such discretion, tranquilizing and soothing his sorrow, thus fittingly disposing him for the influence of the Divine Spirit. Just as the Princess of Heaven had been the instrument for the sanctification of St. John the Baptist and his mother, so she also was instrumental in procuring for St. Joseph the plenitude of graces in still greater abundance. All this the most faithful and fortunate man understood and for it, as a most faithful servant, was proportionately thankful. 413. These great sacraments and many others connected with our Queen and her spouse St. Joseph, the sacred evangelists passed over in silence, not only because they wished to treasure them in their hearts, but also because neither the humble lady nor St. Joseph had spoken of them to anyone. Nor was it necessary to mention these wonders in the life of Christ our Lord, which they wrote in order to establish our belief in the new church and the law of grace, for such things might give rise to many inconveniences among the heathens in their first conversion. The admirable providence of God, in His hidden and inscrutable judgments, reserved these secrets for a more suitable time foreseen in divine wisdom. He wished that after the church had been already established and the Catholic faith well grounded, the faithful, standing in need of the intercession, the assistance and protection, of their great Queen and Lady, should draw from the knowledge of these mysteries new and old treasures of grace and consolation, Matthew 13:52. Perceiving by new enlightenment what a loving mother and powerful advocate they had in heaven with her most holy Son, to whom the Father has given the power to judge, John 5:52, let them fly to her for help as to the only and sacred refuge of sinners. Let the tribulations and the tears of the church themselves give witness, whether such times of affliction have not come upon us in our days for never were her trials greater than now, when her own sons, reared at her breast, afflict her, seek to destroy her, and dissipate the treasures of the blood of her spouse with a greater cruelty than was done by her most embittered enemies. In this crying need, when the blood shed by her children calls heavenward, and much more loudly, 
the blood of our High Priest Christ, Hebrews 12:24, trodden underfoot and polluted under pretext of justice, resounds in anguish, what are the most faithful children of the Church doing? Why are they so speechless? Why do they not call upon Most Holy Mary? Why do they not invoke her aid and urge her to help? What wonder if help is delayed, since we postpone seeking her and acknowledging her as the true Mother of God? I give witness, that great mysteries are enclosed in this city of God and that in lively faith we should confess and extol them. They are so great, that the deeper insight into them is reserved for the time after the general resurrection, when all the saints will know them in the Most High. But in the meanwhile let the pious and faithful souls acknowledge the condescension of this their most loving Queen and Lady, in revealing some of the great and hidden sacraments through me, a most unworthy instrument, for I, in my weakness and insignificance, could be induced to attempt this work only by the repeated command and encouragement of the Mother of Piety, as has been stated several times. The Instructions Vouchsafed by the Heavenly Queen and Lady 414. My daughter, my object in revealing to you, in this history, so many sacraments and secrets, both those which you have written and many others which you are unable to manifest, is that you use them as a mirror of my life and as an inviolable rule of action for your own. All of them should be engraved in the tablets of your heart and I recall to your mind the teachings of eternal life, thereby complying with my duty as your teacher. Be ready to obey and fulfill all commands as a willing and careful pupil, let the humble care and watchfulness of my spouse Saint Joseph, his submission to divine direction and his esteem for heavenly enlightenment, serve you as an example. For only because his heart had been well disposed and prepared for the execution of the divine will, was he entirely changed and remodeled by the plenitude of grace for the ministry assigned to him by the Most High. Let therefore the consciousness of your faults serve you as a motive to submit in all humility to the work of God, not as a pretext to withdraw from the performance of that which the Lord desires of you. 415. However, I wish on this occasion to reveal to you the just reproach and indignation of the Most High against mortals, so that, comparing the conduct of other men with the humility and meekness which I exercised toward my spouse Saint Joseph, you may understand it better in divine enlightenment. The cause of this reproach, which the Lord and I must make against men, is the inhuman perversity of men in persisting to treat each other with so much want of humility and love. In this they commit three faults, which displease the Most High very much and which cause the Almighty, and me, to withhold many mercies. The first is, that men, knowing that they are all children of the same Father in heaven, Isaiah 64 8, works of his hands, formed of the same nature, graciously nourished and kept alive by his providence, reared at the same table of divine mysteries and sacraments, especially of his own body and blood, nevertheless forget and despise all these advantages, concentrating all their interest upon earthly and trivial affairs, exciting themselves without reason, 
swelling with indignation, creating discords, quarrels, indulging in detractions and harsh words, sometimes rising up to most wicked and inhuman vengeance or mortal hate of one another. The second is that, when through human frailty and want of mortification, incited by the temptation of the devil, they happen to fall into one of these faults, they do not at once seek to rid themselves of it, nor strive to be again reconciled, as should be done by brothers in the presence of a just judge. Thus they deny him as their merciful father, and force him to become the severe and rigid judge of their sins, for no faults excite him sooner to exercise his severity than the sins of revenge and hate. The third offense, which causes his great indignation, is that sometimes when a brother comes in order to be reconciled, he that deems himself offended will not receive him and asks a greater satisfaction than that which he knows would be accepted by the Lord, and which he himself offers as satisfaction to God's majesty. For all of them wish that God, who is most grievously offended, should receive and pardon them whenever they approach him with humility and contrition, while those that are but dust and ashes, ask to be revenged upon their brothers and will not content themselves with the satisfaction which the Most High himself readily accepts for their own sins. 416. Of all the sins which the sons of the Church commit, none is more horrible than these in the eyes of the Most High. This you will readily understand by the divine light and in the vigor of God's law, which commands men to pardon their brethren, although they may have offended seventy times seven. And if a brother offend many times every day, as soon as he says that he is sorry for it, the Lord commands us to forgive the offending brother as many times without counting the number and those that are not willing to forgive, he threatens with severest punishment on account of the scandal which they cause. This can be gathered from the threatening words of God himself, Woe to him from whom scandal comes and through whom scandal is caused. It were better for him, if he fell into the depths of the sea with a heavy millstone around his neck. This was said in order to indicate the danger of this sin and the difficulty of obtaining deliverance therefrom, which must be compared to that of a man dropping into the sea with a grinding stone around his neck. It also points out that the punishment is the abyss of eternal pains, Matthew 18:9. Therefore the command of my most holy Son is good advice to the faithful, that they rather permit their eyes to be torn out and their hands chopped off, than allow themselves to fall into this crime of scandalizing the little ones. 417. O oh my dearest daughter! How you must bewail the wickedness and evils of this sin with tears of blood! That is the sin which grieves the Holy Ghost, Ephesians 4.30 affords proud triumphs to the demons, makes monsters of rational creatures, and wipes out in them the image of the Eternal Father. What thing more unbecoming, or hateful and monstrous, than to see creatures of the earth, the food of worms and corruption, rise up against one another in pride and arrogance? 
You will not find words strong enough to describe his wickedness, in order to persuade mortals to fear it and guard against the wrath of the Lord, Matthew 3 7. But you dearest, preserve your heart from this contagion, stamp and engrave in it the most useful doctrine for your guidance. Never think for a moment, that in offending your neighbor or scandalizing him in this way, the guilt can be small, for all these sins are weighty in the sight of God. Place a damper on all your faculties and feelings in order to observe most strictly the rules of charity toward all creatures of the Most High. To me also afford this pleasure, since I wish you to be most perfect in this virtue. I impose upon you as my most vigorous precept, that you give offense neither in thought word or deed to any of your neighbors, and that you prevent any of your subjects, and as far as you can, any other person in your presence from injuring their neighbor. Meditate well on this, as I ask it of you my dearest, for it is a doctrine most divine and least understood by mortals. Serve yourself with the only remedy against these passions, namely, with the compelling example of my humility and meekness, the effect of the sincere love not only toward my spouse, but toward all the children of the Heavenly Father, for I esteemed them and looked upon them as redeemed and bought for a great price, 1 Peter 1.18. With true fidelity and ingenious charity watch over your religious. The Divine Majesty is offended grievously by anyone who does not fulfill this command expressly inculcated and called a new one by my son, John 15:12. but he is roused to incomparably greater indignation against religious persons who offend against it. Among these there are many, who should distinguish themselves as perfect children of the Father and Teacher of this virtue, nevertheless they cast it aside and thereby become more odious and detestable in his sight than worldly persons.